This is The Podcast Method, a show that attempts to answer your questions about podcasting, recording, audio and video equipment, software, mic technique, pre-post-production workflows, and more. I'm your host, Dan Benjamin. This is episode number 24, and I wanted to say thanks to everybody for two things, two things. The first thing is, a lot of you have been supporting the work that I do and supporting this show and a handful of the other shows that I do, but uh, in particular this uh, I wanted to just make sure that I thank you. I don't thank you enough for that. I should thank you a uh, hundred times a day. Uh, so I just want to say thanks. If you're one of those people who a Patreon supporter, uh, it makes a huge difference. It makes it possible for me to do this show and so many other things that uh, it just simply would not be possible. If you want to be one of those people, go to patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. That's the Patreon page to support all the work that I do. Uh, donate whatever you want a dollar, a million dollars, it's your choice. Whatever you think it's worth, whatever the value you get out of it, and I, I sure do appreciate it. And thank you again to everyone who's, uh, who's been supporting the show. The second thing is thank you for all of the great questions that you have been sending me on Twitter or emailing. Uh, I know some people don't use Twitter. If you don't use Twitter and you want to ask a question, the best way to do it, go to 5by5.tv slash contact. You'll see podcast method list there. Click that, send me an email. And I will get your email. It'll automatically have a subject line. You can ask whatever the question is that you want. I will read it. I will answer it. And I will appreciate it. And if you just want to hit me up on Twitter, I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Use the hashtag podcast method. I know I'm getting uh, getting retentive with these little directions here, but it's the I get a lot of email and I get a lot of tweets. And this helps those rise to the to the top so that I never miss them. And I appreciate that. So thank you again to everyone who's been doing that. And we will jump in with some questions, but I want to give you a little uh, preview of what I will be talking about, kind of the main topic of this show. I just came out with a a brand new version of the podcast method website. Uh, That again, like all of the things that I talk about here will be in the show notes for this particular episode Uh, but the new podcast method website, podcastmethod.co, I have all new gear. Uh, a bunch of uh, new thoughts about uh, the previous, I mean, uh, tons of stuff there. So I'd love it for you to go and check that out. But what I'm actually going to be doing later in the show is breaking down what I did and giving some of that advice right here on the podcast. So if you want the show notes there uh, in your in your podcast app for this episode, you can also go to 5by5.tv slash podcast method slash 24. So let's jump in and start answer, answering some of these questions. Lee Berg Lee Allenberg on Twitter says, any non-technical tips on doing a show with a co-host? What makes a good fit? Staying organized commitment. So I love this question because this isn't, I don't know if I've ever been asked this question before. And it is such a great question for a number of reasons, because so often we find we're talking about, oh, what kind of microphone? How should we, you know, how should we do sound dampening in the room? And what kind of cable should I use? And what's the difference between this and that? You know, very technical stuff. But instead of that, this question says, well, what about, what about the people part of it? You know, uh, my friend Merlin Mann and I have been doing a show back to work for many, many years, more than five years. And, uh, you know, I, I think... I think that's the longest I've ever done a show for sure. And people will say, how do you guys come up with something to talk about each week and, and things like that? I'm always curious about it. A big part of that is because, you know, I, I got very lucky in having a great co-host like Merlin. And I think that's a big part of 
having a show that it can be a long running show is that you have to like and enjoy talking to the person that you're hosting with. Uh, but there's something interesting. I remember reading an interview uh, with Penn and Teller. And in the interview, they were talking about how uh, they don't do very much off the air. They are off of the, the stage, I guess, in their case. They're not, they're not, it, it's not that they're not friends. It's just simply they're not people that they don't see each other a lot. They're not hanging out a lot. They're not friends in the traditional sense of being friends. They are people who together put on an amazing show and they work incredibly well together. They work well together. That doesn't uh, mean necessarily that they're going to, uh, to be best friends. And the opposite is true. Because you're best friends with someone or very good friends with someone, it doesn't automatically mean that you're going to be able to work well or do a good podcast, even if the conversations that the two of you have, uh, you know, over a, over a coffee or beer aren't entertaining. That doesn't always translate into having a great podcast. So the only way to find out, of course, is to actually do a podcast, actually try it out and see what it's like. I mean, making a good fit, obviously you have to admire the other person. You have to be interested in what that person has to say. As far as staying organized, I mean, there are so many really great collaborative tools, but time and time again, what we always come back to, and whenever I'm invited on to a show uh, that has incredible preparation, an, an example of this, probably the, the most well-prepared for show I have ever seen or ever been a guest on is the Daily Tech News Show uh, with Tom Merritt hosting that. They have an amazing Excel spread, not Excel, they have an amazing Google Doc spreadsheet that they use that is collaborated. So when they invite you onto the show, you get access to it. And all of he, uh, he and his co hosts uh, will all be putting notes in there. And they follow that thing to a T and they just start at the top and work their way down to the bottom. It tells them uh, what, what the topics are, what links they have to look at. And it's a wonderful tool that you can use while you're preparing for the show, while you're getting ready to be on the show. And then, of course, when you're actually recording, this is your guidebook, your outline that walks you through it. And it doesn't have to be anything special. It can just be, you know, a list of links or a list of topics and about how long you think you want to you want to talk about each one of them. Um, I absolutely stole the spreadsheet from them when I was on the show. I absolutely cloned a copy of it and have been using it ever since because it's genius. And I told him I was doing that and he said, fine. but. Something like that. I, I should uh, I should release something like that, or even better, we should get Tom to do it, because having some a tool like that is invaluable. But as far as the commitment aspect of it, it's much easier to commit to something when you know that your audience is there and growing. It's much easier to commit to something when you uh, when you are enjoying what you're doing. And a lot of the time, I'll be honest, a lot of people are saying it's it's hard to, you know, it's hard to say. No kids, I'm not going to hang out now or no I'm friends, I'm not going to go out or hey honey, let's skip going, you know, having dinner together tonight. I'm going to go record a podcast. So, having something to show for that, whether it's a large number of listeners or Patreon supporters or a sponsor or something, there has to be some additional goal than just I love doing it. It, unless you're like single and you don't have any other <laughs> commitments, which is the best way to podcast, I would imagine. I have no idea. But uh, a big part of keeping that commitment going is, you know, wow, we've got a thousand, pe a thousand people a week tune in to listen to this stuff that we say. That's pretty cool. That makes me want to come back and record again. 
or being able to say, you know what, I'm, I earned an extra dinner out uh, a month or a week this, by doing these shows. That's worth doing, I think. And there's a lot of people who just love it. It's just a creative outlet for them. And as long as they have that time to do it, by all means, I, I, think, I think you should do it. So I don't know. I've, ne- I've never had a problem with the commitment part or uh, uh, with, with that. I'm always excited to, to come on and, and, and do a show. And I'm always thrilled if one person wants to listen to it. <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, two people asked about streaming live streaming audio. And uh, I, I, we used to stream every single show that we recorded at 5x5, five five, both for people in our Austin studio as well as or in Orlando when I lived there before that, as well as for remote people. And it, it's something that, because I have an extensive sort of nerd background, I was a, an IT guy and a sysadmin for decades. I still probably spend hours a day. Well, I mean, my... My main computer some days is a Linux machine. I'm a, I'm a nerd. So for me, setting up uh, a streaming server was no big deal. And what that allowed us to do was to take the output of our show that we were recording and stream it live. And there were times, especially early on in the days of 5x5, where we would have many thousands of people listening to our shows, uh, certainly hundreds of people and um, many, many, many of those people active in the chat room and, and critiquing us and giving us corrections and adding things to the show to make it more fun and more interesting and submitting show titles and, uh, and, and things like that. It's, um, it's a wonderful thing to stream live and to get live listeners. And it's, it's supremely easy to do it. The way that you do it these days, uh, the best way to do it is with free software, open source software, I should say, called IceCast. Icecast. It is not the easiest thing to configure and to set up uh, because their configuration files are, are somewhat tedious. So I will do my best to post my uh, Icecast server configuration file, but you've got you've to be kind of a Linux geek or at least know a sysadmin or know somebody who's willing to set something like this up for you. Why? Well, I'll tell you what. You go over to Linode. And uh, I'll put links again. All of this will be in the show notes at 5x5.tv slash podcast method slash 24. Linode is my recommended uh, hosting place for like, I don't know if it's eight or 10 bucks a month. It's cheap. You can get a dedicated VPS server there and you can run IceCast on it. And that's the hard part, configuring IceCast. If you have to like use the command line and SSH and all that. And if that sounds like a headache, then yeah, you probably don't want to host your own IceCast server. But if that doesn't scare you, or if you know somebody who can help you out, you can set up this one application to run on your server. And then on your computer, you can stream the audio to that IceCast server. You stream it from your computer. In my case, I was streaming it uh, directly from the, uh, from the output of the computer that, had the, uh, that has, has our mixer hooked up to it. And I would stream that right up there and using a little application on the Mac called NiceCast. And I, I know that there are equivalents uh, on the PC that you can get to. And I'm just making a note for myself to, to link those up for you. Uh, but that makes it super, super easy to stream it out from wherever you are. You can be on your laptop. You can be in a hotel room. You can have your whole setup 
it's incredibly easy. What we do here is a little more complicated because I have multiple guests coming in over multiple Skype machines. We've got multiple microphones here in the studio. So again, I just take the output of my mixer or that machine that's running the mixer and I just I stream it straight out uh, through, through using NiceCast to do it. Super easy. Now, there are tons of other ways you can stream things live. Tons of people are using, uh, you know, you, you can obviously just take the output and do it through Google Hangouts and invite people to that. You, YouTube allows you to stream live events out through their service. Uh, I imagine you, people are doing this with Twitch. I mean, anything that allows for live streaming, you can stream the audio to that and invite people to it. If you, you know, costs vary, some are free, some cost more, but it's, it's not hard to do. The real question is these days, is there a lot of value to it? And that's really up to you. You're going to have to experiment with it and see how many people are interested in listening live. We again, used to have a huge live audience. Our live audience, while our downloads have increased over the years of the shows that we used to stream and still do. Our live listeners have decreased, but our downloads are continuing to grow. What this tells me is that people have, they're not as interested in listening to it live or they're interested in listening to other things instead of tuning into the show live or they just want to hear the final end result. Uh, I find, for example, a number of the shows that I used to listen to live, I have started to uh, just wait for the show to come out and I listen to it there. I don't really know why my behavior has changed in that way, but I've seen it. I've seen it there. I've seen it uh, in other situations too. So that's something to to consider. But if you want to try it or you want to do a special event or something, it's definitely worth your time to look into it, I think. Chance Swearinger, who's at underscore PK Chance on Twitter, says, how do you psych yourself up to record an episode if you're not feeling up to it when the time is nearing? Well, uh, Chance, for me, this is my job and it's how I make a living. So I don't have a choice. I've, I've got to get psyched up for it because it's the same way that I guess someone gets psyched up to go and do any job that they do. I happen to really enjoy it. I happen to love doing these shows and I happen to love talking with people and uh, to, to people in this way. So for me, it, that it's n- never really an issue. I, I like it. I look forward to it. I can't wait, but just like any job, you know, and I remember hearing an interview, I forget who it was with, but he was a baseball player and he was talking about how at first, especially when you hit the major leagues, like, yeah, like you're, you're playing baseball in front of the world. You know, you're playing with the best human beings in the world against the best human beings in the world for an amazing team with this amazing history. And he said, you know, but eventually it, it becomes a job. Like your job is to go and, uh, and field the base. You know, I was like, that's your job. You need to, you need to go and hit balls and catch balls and, you know, like that becomes your job. So, you know, I think at some point you have to treat doing the pod, the podcast will feel that way too. It, the honeymoon period of, oh my gosh, we're going to podcast, we're doing it, it's great. That ends and you're like, okay, we've got a show to do now. But I think focusing on why you started doing it, fi- finding that reason of why did you start doing it and keeping hold of that and writing writing it down. I'm I'm a big fan of writing things down because when you see them on paper and you read them back to yourself, it makes it real in a different way. I am doing this podcast because 
just write it down. And whenever you feel like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. It'd be easier to just go and watch Netflix for a while and eat some popcorn and watch a movie. It's that time when you need to remind yourself why you're doing it. But if that reason why you're doing it doesn't feel good anymore, it doesn't feel relevant anymore, well, maybe it's time to rethink what you're doing. But I think it'll inspire you. I think you'll read that and you'll say, yeah, that's, that's right. I'm doing it because I love this. I love this thing. I love this thing I'm talking about. And I'm recording with a person who's my friend. Or there's listeners out there who have emailed and they, they want, I, I want to address what they brought up. I'll do a couple more. Adam, who's at Cut for Time, great question, which brings me to one of the things I've linked up, went from carpet to wood floors in the room where I record. How do I knock down the echo without building a booth? Well, you have some wonderful options. I am right now in a room that is all wood floors and walls and windows and, uh, and very little to absorb that sound. But what, what you really need is sound absorption. And there are lots of uh, panels that they sell. I've got a couple dozen of them on the wall of this room, and it makes a huge, huge, huge difference. If you've ever seen a professional recording studio, you've seen that sort of gray, dark foam up on the walls. It has all kinds of weird little patterns and all kinds of shapes. And usually the walls are completely covered and the ceilings are covered. And uh, that's because they're dampening the sound. You don't need quite that much to record a podcast. Uh, You just don't. Um, You just want to cut down on what you're talking about, which is a reverb sound or an echo sound. And it's very easy to cut down and eliminate some of that by getting these panels. I will link to, in the show notes, the panels that I have gotten. Uh, They are acoustic sound dampening panels, and they're pretty affordable. And you can buy just a few of them. Uh, When I say affordable, I mean you can spend anywhere from $20, $30 $20, and, $30 and up, of course, depending on how many you need. But they have a calculator on the website that will help you determine how many you need for your room. But if you don't want to get sound panels, something that uh, a friend of mine showed me, IKEA now makes uh, what they call a room divider. It's the IKEA PS2017 room divider. But here's what they say about it. I haven't used one of these, but here's what they say about it. The room divider is lightweight and easy to move. The felt accordion design absorbs sound and is ideal for creating rooms within a room. Now, again, what you're basically doing is hanging a, a felt, it, it's like a, a collapsible looking felt barrier. And it's 50 bucks. And it looks like you can stand this thing up. It's about 62 inches tall, so over five feet. And it's about 60 inches long and you can kind of stretch it like an accordion almost. I've never used one, but I have a feeling that these things would be really great if you're in a recording space or a studio space or uh, something that's part of a bigger room and you want to kind of quiet it down and enclose it. Or maybe you can't attach things to the wall, although these panels attach with these little um, 3M double-sided sticky tape that comes right off. But, you know, for example, if you couldn't do that or if that wasn't enough, you could get one of these. And I think these would work great. I would love to hear. I haven't got one. I'm planning to get one sometime in the next couple of weeks. But if, if somebody gets one, please hit me up, uh, tweet me or email me and tell me if and how well uh, it works for you. I would be, uh, I'd be very curious to hear that. Matt Francis, who's at Happy Dude 1022 
says, what makes a podcast more compelling, the personalities or the topics? Uh, can, I, can I give you a, um, a noncommittal answer and say both? I think both are incredibly important. I think there are some people that I've listened to who are just, they're so much fun. And it doesn't matter what they're talking about because I like them so much or I admire their work so much that I could listen to them, you know, talking about uh, their most recent trip to the grocery store and I would enjoy it. But then there's other people who I really value more. What, what is it they're talking about? I think the answer is both. I think, and and to be honest, to have a successful podcast, you need both. You absolutely need both. You need to have somebody who is great to listen to and some, a, a great topic. I, think, I just think you need both. No easy answer there. I would like to tell you about our sponsor. It is Squarespace. They have done so much for me and for this show over the years. The next time that you need to build a website, please consider using Squarespace. They have it all. Really, they do everything that you would want to do. I don't know if you've seen these, uh, these funny commercials that they're doing with uh, John Malkovich, who is trying to register a domain name, johnmalkovich.com, but it's owned by somebody else and he's trying to get it. Uh, well, the reason they're doing that is because Squarespace, now you can, get their, you can get your domains from them as well. It used to be if you sign up for a year, you got a free domain name. That's still true, but now you can just go there and just register a domain. It's really great. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support. Everything's transparent, simple, easy to set up, flexible for any kind of website. Their templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online, all in one platform. They've got a, a logo creator. I mean, you name it, they've got it. Squarespace, make your next move. Go check it out, squarespace.com. And you will get 10% off if you use the code podcast method. So go check it out, squarespace.com, 10% off your first purchase if you use the code podcast method. John Turner at RE Fractal Studio, Refractal Studio, says, what do you feel is the safest no-budget method for viewers to call in during a live show? So I'm assuming that John Turner's already streaming somehow. Well, I would say it depends. It really depends. I mean, Skype, that's the easiest way to do it. You, you, know, you say no budget. I don't know what your setup is. I don't know if you have multiple computers. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you. But if you're sitting there with a computer and you're streaming a show somehow and you want people to dial up into it, make a Skype account. They're free. Just make a Skype account and say, Call in. Here's our Skype line. Call in. Now, of course, you won't get fancy features. You won't have people on hold. You won't be able to bring in the next call. It'll be one person at a time. But I think that's fine. And again, you said no budget, so here's your no budget solution. Now, there are other VOIP solutions that you can use. We actually built our own for Quit back in the day when I was doing lots and lots of phone calls where we could have lots of people on hold. We had a whole call queue system. I basically modeled it after the software that I'd seen in professional radio stations. I just did it with voice over IP and it was great. It was a great solution and it works just fine. So you could call up that number. It would answer. You would immediately hear a little recording that says, hey, you've called the five by five live, uh, you know, live show line 
uh, you're going to be on hold. You're going to hear a tone and then it'll be your turn to be on. And I could, I had a web based control panel where I could uh, bring callers on. I could have multiple callers at once. I could disconnect the caller. I could put them back on hold. Tons of great stuff. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It still works. We just don't use it quite as much. But something like that, there's a lot behind the scenes to make that work. And it's usually just, again, is it justified? Is it something you really need? A Skype line, that's free. What you can also do, and something else you could consider doing, is using a device uh, called an audio hybrid this is a very, very old school kind of a device, but what it does is it converts a phone line, a regular like landline type phone line into, and I believe they have them now for, like you can plug your iPhone into it as well. They're much more expensive, but it converts a landline into XLR inputs that you could then plug into a mixer. So you could have somebody call in with a straight up phone line. And it would connect and it would, then they would be there on your mixer. I don't really know why you'd want to do this instead of Skype. It is 2017 and beyond now, isn't it? But you can, you can do that. And I'll put a link to an audio hybrid if I can find one for you. I actually have one on a shelf in my garage. So if you're really keen on doing this, hit me up and I'll sell it to you cheap. I'm never going to use that thing again. Eric McLung on Twitter says, any progress in decoding new and noteworthy? Articles I've read say it's only for pods, he says pods, podcasts, within the first eight weeks. So new and noteworthy, if you don't know, is a section of iTunes. And in that section of iTunes, the shows that iTunes typically deems to be of interest will appear there. Now, I happen to know that iTunes is always, the guys there are always on a lookout for new shows, fun shows, exciting shows, things that are making a splash. But there is also some degree of computing algorithm behind the scenes there for that. So it's not only shows that the people at iTunes feel are great or upcoming, but it's also some degree of, oh, this show has X number of new subscribers over X period of time. So for example, if you came out with a show and 10,000 people subscribe to it in a short period of time, whether it's a day or a week, that would, I believe, automatically bubble up to the top into new and noteworthy, and it would, it would show up there. But I also know that if a celebrity or somebody big with a big following goes and launches a show, even before they have that many subscribers, they're in new and noteworthy. Well, I believe that there are ways to you know, there's Apple has a PR division. I'm sure that these PR people communicate and say, Hey, uh, this person's going to be coming out with a podcast and they, they, I'm sure have the ability to say, we'll flag it for new and noteworthy. Again, this is the, what I've been able to, to kind of guess and determine and, and talk to people and hear things. Um, how does a regular person get their show in new and noteworthy? It's, it's one of those really frustrating catch 22s, right? Because if the way that you can get in there is by getting a lot of people to subscribe, but you can't get people to subscribe unless you're in new and noteworthy, it's kind of frustrating. That's a problem. Steve Thomas, who is at Steve Librarian, asks, can you give me a recommendation for a lightning microphone for recording from an iPad or iPhone now that the headphone jack is gone? My answer is yes. The Apogee mic. I, I wish they had called it something else. But the Apogee mic is pretty cool. It, uh, 
it, it is a very small, very, very, very well made. I mean, all of Apogee's stuff is so well made. But uh, they have this thing called the, the Mic 96K. And it will plug right into your Mac. I imagine it works for PC too. I haven't had direct experience with that. But it is, uh, it is a very straightforward device. It's a little microphone that looks, I mean, like when you open this thing, you're like, oh, I thought it was a more elaborate kind of a device. No, it's super small, super portable. And you can get a one meter iPad, iPhone lightning cable for, uh, or three meter, I think is the one they sell that'll, that'll work perfectly for it. Plug that right into your phone and you're good to go. And the quality from this is amazing. It's a wonderful, wonderful microphone. I will put links to that. I recommend that microphone all the time uh, for anybody, whether you're on a Mac or an iPad. And I'm looking here and it looks like it'll, uh, it'll work just fine with a, with a PC, but just with Windows, just double check before you buy it. Love those mics. They're really, really great. Rakesh Sahu, who is Rakesh Sahu Ed on Twitter, says, is it important to have a transcript of the episode available in the website or just the summary? I believe that transcripts are very important. There is a plus side and a downside to to, uh, having a transcript. The plus side is there is lots and lots of people out there. Guess what? They're hearing impaired. They can't hear your show, but they still want to know what you said. So providing a transcript to them is incredibly valuable, incredibly important, and it's a wonderful thing you can do to take your show and expand it to an audience that might not otherwise be able to get it. So I absolutely love transcripts for that reason. What I don't like transcripts for are the people who say, uh, the same the same people who are going to play your podcast at uh, triple speed or something the people who they don't they're not interested in the the love and the passion that you put into your show they just want to absorb data quickly those people will go and they'll they'll uh, skim your transcript and they won't they won't treat it like the the live living beautiful document that it could potentially be or the experience they would get from listening to your show at a relatively normal speed but you know what i would rather have somebody skim the transcript of a show that i did than not hear it at all or not see it at all or not get some value out of it so i'm a big fan of transcripts i don't know how where i would place them on importance i think you can have a tremendously successful podcast that doesn't have transcripts but it's just another nice thing that you can do typically there are lots of services out there that will transcribe a podcast for you i don't know what the current prices are but based on my own experience from doing this years ago i think anywhere from 25 to about 50 dollars an hour for an hour worth of transcripts that feels right this is not a cheap thing to do if you're doing a lot of podcasts uh but i think it's a tremendous value for those listeners uh or potential people that can consume it that that can't listen uh that's another reason why i built this into fireside when i was writing fireside uh i knew that people would want to have a nice way to upload and view transcripts so that's that's what i did i built that feature into it fireside.fm so transcripts are another thing that's built into that you don't have to like try to dump it into show notes or something which i've seen which is horrific don't do that uh set it up as a separate uh download and uh there's one more question 
that I will uh, do today. Same person, Rakesh Sahu, hope I'm saying that right, asked uh, in solo podcast, how is import- how important is it to have background music? Well, you can see how important I think it is uh, by the all the background music that you've heard in the uh, in the now 24 episodes of podcast method that I've done. Wait, you haven't heard any? Mm, that's about what I think about it. Now I'd like to tell you about podcastmethod.co, which I recently redid the whole thing and relaunched it. And uh, I have all new recommendations on there. And I just wanted to take a couple minutes and tell you about that because a lot of people will tweet me and ask me questions and I just kind of point them back there because I've, I've gone to a lot of trouble to find what I think is really, really good gear for a variety of different setups. And I just wanted to walk through it really quick right now. What I did on Podcast Method is I divided it up into uh, basically five different sections, entry-level gear, intermediate gear, pro gear, a mobile rig, and a multi-person studio. And the reason I divided it up into these categories is because since I started that site and since I've been doing this show, those were the kinds of questions that I got most. People saying, I'm just getting started. What do I need? Or I've been doing this for a while, but I feel like I could have a better microphone than this. Or we've got five people. How do we do it? So one of the things that I do, I don't talk about it a lot, but I I have built studios for people, people who want to podcast companies in particular, who will say, hey, Dan, we want to bring you out, set up a podcast studio for us. We have three people here. We've got three people remote. Build it. Make it work. Do do what you uh, what you do best here in our studio and make it happen and show us how to do it. I've also had people hire me to like help me make their shows better or help them become better at podcasting. I, I absolutely love that, uh, and I would love to help you do that if you're interested. But what uh, what I've taken away from that that's here for you is what's on PodcastMethod.co right now. These separate categories broken it down i'm not going to like go through every single item that i've picked out and why i picked it on this episode but you know what what you're really looking at here is a list and you can go and say you know what i'm ready to go and i i want a microphone on a boom and like a nice audio interface for that what do i need how do i do it what do i spend how do i know that the thing i'm getting isn't going to waste money i'll tell you what because i've wasted my money for you I have bought the wrong thing over and over again so that you don't have to. Please take advantage of my uh, often costly mistakes in time and money and skip through all that. Now, I'm not. what I'm not saying is that the, the devices that I have recommended are the best or will be perfect. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is these are the these are based on my own personal experience and talking to the audio experts that I know and the podcasters and recording engineers that I know. This is a collection of the best stuff that I personally have had experience with. So that does not mean that that microphone that you found on Amazon that had better reviews than the one that Dan said and is $20 less than the one that Dan said isn't going to be the perfect microphone for you or the better mixer for you or whatever. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is based on my experience personally and talking to really good friends who know much more than I do, these are my recommendations. So I would love it if you would go there and check those things out. And yes, those are affiliate links. Uh, Most of the things are available on Amazon. If you use those links, I'll get a little kickback. 
If you don't want me to, then you can just take my affiliate tag off the end and and get them. But one way or another, this is the, this is the the best stuff to use. Uh, the mobile rig and the multi person studio are the uh, are the the newest additions to that. So please do go check that out. I would love to get your feedback. And if you have something that you want to bring my attention to, whether it's a new mic or a new audio interface or something that's come out, please let me know. I've been trying to. Uh, trying to work with more of these vendors to see if they can send me stuff to sort of try and review. Because if I can do that, then I can do YouTube videos uh, about them and teach you guys more about it that way. So if there's something that, that you really want to hear about or you want my opinion on, I would love to try it out. But I got I to gotta find out about it. That's where you come in. Let me know. So that'll do it for this episode of Podcast Method. Thanks to everybody who continues to write in Again, 5by5.tv slash contact, click podcast method, send me your questions, your thoughts at uh, Dan Benjamin on Twitter. And of course, if you want to help support the work that I do or the shows, please consider making a donation. It can be a dollar. It doesn't matter. It helps. It really helps. Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin is the place to go for that. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you all again soon.